0: Hello again, everyone, and welcome to episode 91 of Now We're Talking. I'm Rob Danish from the University of Waterloo, and this is a podcast about communication skills. So I've been meaning to make this particular episode for a very long time, uh, and it's about what I call the primal communication circuit, uh, which I'll explain in a second. But for starters, I want to, to talk about a couple of distinctions that will inform Uh, what I consider the the primal communication circuit. So I want to start by talking about the difference between fast and slow thinking or system one and system two thinking. So there's this famous guy Daniel Kahneman who uh, did this groundbreaking work about decision making and in that work he makes a distinction between system one and system two thinking. Uh, He won the Nobel prize for economics in 2002 uh, and he's written a lot about cognitive biases and, and heuristics, et cetera. Everybody should read Thinking, Fast and Slow. It's a really good, it's a really good book. Anyway, so Kahneman makes a distinction, uh, or, or suggests that our brain has two operating systems. What he calls System One and System Two, and there are differences between the two systems. So System One is fast. Its defining characteristics are that you know it's unconscious, it's automatic, it's effortless. You know, we we process things without self-awareness or control. Um, In other words, our brains assess a situation and deliver an update without our conscious thinking about that situation or that update. Kahneman says that 98% of all our thinking is system one, belongs to system one. System two is slow. Its defining characteristics are, are, are a kind of deliberateness, a kind of conscious, effortful, controlled mental process. That's what we call rational thinking. You know, we use our self-awareness and our control and our logic and our sense of skepticism in order to to consider things. Uh, We can also seek new or missing information. We can make conscious decisions. Um, And Kahneman says that that's 2% of all of our thinking. But here's the key insight of that book, and I think it's important for us as communication scholars. Knowing... It, what happens is that System 2 is a slave to our System 1. Uh, system 1 sends suggestions to System 2 before System 2 has even started consciously deliberating. And System 2 then turns those considerations into beliefs, but it doesn't have anything to operate with unless System 1 gives it some stuff to think about. Um, so, I, I can say a lot more about, uh, the difference between system one and system two thinking, I don't want to say that much about it. Um, it, it it's like a, it's a huge breakthrough into the lack of reasoning in human decision-making. I, I, I read it as, as Kahneman showing that the two thought systems, um, with one kind of biasing the other imply that human decision-making is always less rational than it thinks it is. Um, and it, a stronger reading suggests that he's showing the power of what we might call the subconscious mind or the unconscious mind, all of the, the work our brain is doing before we consciously start reflecting on things. Um, we, are, you know, we all tend to think we're rational human beings who think about our decisions and who think about the things that we do but Kahneman's basically showing us that we're almost completely irrational, and that's actually a good thing. It's a survival mechanism, etc. You know, in, in our average day, we apparently make about thirty five thousand decisions, uh, and they differ in difficulty and importance. Um, but you can't make those decisions without your System One, um, System One kind of giving information or automatically making some of them for for your System Two to deliberate. Uh, Otherwise, we'd be in kind of a constant state of cognitive overload. Um, Okay, so that's the first thing to keep in mind. Uh, There's a difference between system one thinking and and system two thinking, and a lot of our brain is working with system one thinking. Um, The second thing I want to point out is that human beings are deeply, deeply an expert at experts at causal thinking. So once you get into system two thinking, um, you, your the brain is really, really, really good at making causal connections. So X causes Y or Y happens and we look for the cause of it and we look for an X that, that causes it. Um, and in fact, a lot of modern science, like a lot of the achievements of human civilization are a result of our system two's ability to reason causally. Uh, okay, so to engage in in causal uh, processes. They're so good, in fact, that we tend to think or glorify system two, because it's so wonderful at making causal assessments and, and performing causal reasoning. Um, okay, so in this podcast, I've tried to make the argument or suggest in all of the episodes everywhere over and over again, I've been saying communication is not the matter a matter of transmitting information from one place to another. It's really a process of producing effects on others. So A says something that affects B. The the central kind of component of the communicative process is the the causal effect A is having on B. Uh, Okay, so like Kahneman tells us, there's system one and system two thinking. In communication studies, there's what we might call first-order communication and second-order communication. First-order communication belongs in the system one process, second-order communication belongs in system two. Uh, First-order communication biases second-order communication, always. First-order communication happens unconsciously, or what I say in my classes, pre-reflectively. That is, person A has an effect on person B, and before person B has even thought about what person A has had to say, there's been a pre-reflective or unconscious or subconscious effect produced on B in system one thinking that will then bias person B's system two thinking. So, um, and then I just a second ago mentioned that human beings are really, really great causal reasoners. The problem in communication is that we tend to overvalue system two Community or, or sorry, um, we tend to overvalue second-order communication processes, the things that happen in our system two brain, and undervalue first-order communication processes, the thing that ha- things that happen in our system one brain. So if we want, and here's an example of of how this happens. So Donald Trump just lost the election. Seventy million million people voted for him. A lot of people, myself included, look around and they think. How in the hell can seventy million people want more of that guy? His gross incompetence, his mishandling of of the coronavirus response, etc. Well, we think that it's this system two second order communication process that's driving these people's decision making, but that's not that's not what's happening. Trump is deploying. What I might call um, the primal communication circuit, or he's engaging the primal communication circuit in a way that biases people's second-order communication processes and their kind of their kind of second uh, their kind of system two thinking. So in communication, there is what I call the primal communication circuit and the secondary communication circuit. The primal communication circuit happens in system one thinking and biases the secondary. Communication circuit. In the primal communication circuit, person A does something that affects person B pre reflectively or unconsciously. Person B doesn't think through or think about the effect that person A has had on person B. Yet communication between them has happened. The reason communication between them has happened is because A has produced an effect on B, regardless of the fact that. The effect that A has had on B is unconscious or pre-reflective. So, in the primal communication circuit, we have reactions to to people and to what people say, how they how they hold their body, what they do with their hands, where their eyes are looking, etc. We have a primal reaction that's embedded in System One thinking, that happens pre-reflectively and unconsciously, and that influences. The second, uh, the the secondary communication circuit, when we actually start talking through our responses. Now it's more complicated in in communication. So um, it, it's kind of elegance in cognitive psychology, because you think, oh, as soon as I've entered language, then I've entered system two thinking. Actually, I think it's a, a lot messier than that. I think lots of people can enter into language and still be inside the primal commun- communication circuit. So if someone says you're a jerk and you fire back, no you're a jerk. You know, you're using language. So it may appear as if you're engaged in that second that that secondary communication circuit, but really you're still stuck in the primal communication circuit. You're just reacting viscerally and unconsciously or subconsciously or pre-reflectively to the message that a sent to you that you were a jerk, uh, so the primal like, like the I, I think it's enormously important to consider or to be concerned with the ways in which the primal communication circuit A is engaged, and B the ways in which it can bias or disturb or coordinate or co-opt that secondary communication circuit. And all of us sort of think too much about the secondary communication circuit and think too little about the primal communication circuit. Um, okay. So I want to talk about a few ways of engaging that primal communication circuit. There are images, there are sounds, there are smells, there are words, uh, and then there, I would say there are, there's body language. So um, think about the way images are used in advertising or in any place, really. The image is designed to engage our our sense perceptions pre-reflectively in a way that will bias the secondary communication process. Um, So uh, it's... um, and we don't have, I want to say this clearly, but we don't have much choice. So what Kahneman says is that we don't have control over system one thinking. And in the primal communication circuit, we don't have much control over the, the primal reaction to an initial image that is kind of self-consciously deployed to elicit a reaction. The, the, it's even more primal with, I think, smell. Uh, sound, so a lot of it has been written about sound and persuasion, uh, why, uh, or how music aids movies, etc, or primarily, kind of prepares us for uh, certain things. Um, but we, we, we can't lose sight of, of words and body language also. So um, you can choose a word that will elicit a pre reflective reaction from someone. And that word, even though it seems to be in second order and a second order communication process um, or secondary communication circuit, because you're you're consciously thinking about it, you're still um, grabbing onto it in order to get a primal reaction from, from B. So um, I think one of the things that happens, all right, let me put it like this. Masters of communication can self-consciously operate inside uh, system two thinking, in a way that targets other people's system one thinking. So, if you're choosing your words carefully, if you're figuring out your know, images and smells and sounds that coordinate with um, with your your message, you can be targeting the pre reflective kind of primal communication circuit. That will ultimately bias someone when they're drawn into that secondary communication circuit. So we 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 want to talk with other people. You know we're social animals. We want to engage in persuasion. Uh, we want to engage in collaboration and um, and work with others. But our work with others is always already going to be um, uh, influenced by the primal communication processes we engage them with uh, because those processes will bias their behavior inside that secondary communication circuit. So a master of communication is just really good at recognizing the fact that you can't ignore system one thinking. You can't ignore the primal reactivity someone has to a word or a a form of body language or to an image or to a sound or to a smell or or to whatever. and uh, self-consciously in their system two thinking, they can organize their or or reflect on their communication processes and practices, so as to it, it, to control the primal communication circuits, um, or at least not uh, give up on the possibility of controlling that primal communication circuit. See, so Kahneman says that like system two thinking is all about control. System one thinking. you don't have any control, okay? So, you are brilliant, right? Like, think about that in in terms of secondary and and primal communication circuits. People that are engaged in a secondary communication circuit, you know, they're consciously thinking about what they're going to say. They're, okay, if I say this, the person might react in this way, so I got to say this other thing, you know, carefully. But when you engage the primal communication circuit, you don't have control over the reaction. You're kind of like just in a reactive space. But in communication processes you can exist in a kind of system two thinking in order to figure out how to target or to influence or to kind of cause the right form of reaction from people's system one thinking. Now, it doesn't solve the communication problem. It doesn't solve communication problems all the time. Like always, I mean, you still have to reason. You'll still be drawing that person into a kind of secondary communication process where we're reflectively and thoughtfully responding to one another. Um, But you have to know that uh, if you bias that person's system one th- system two thinking in the right ways, you're a lot more likely to have a positive and productive secondary communication process. Um, but th- So it's more that people make a mistake in thinking that causality in communication is not a primal process. So that's the kind of last thing I, I want to mention about this. Um, primal communication is an inevitable process of cause and effect. So it's an inevitable process of action and reaction. That's always already happening. So it's a kind of abdication of communicative responsibility to think that that primal communication circuit is is going to not be engaged because it's always being engaged. Um, If it's always being engaged, then it's always influencing the secondary communication process. So the... So human beings are these brilliant causal reasoners, but we fail miserably and often at recognizing the causal relationship, the kind of primal causal relationship between our words, our, our actions, the images, smells, sounds, et cetera, and the kind of primal system one reaction from an audience, whatever audience it is, be a person or, or whoever. Uh, so one of the gravest mistakes people make in communication processes is they just want to jump immediately to system two or, or thinking and set the secondary communication circuit. They want to jump immediately to a space that's reflective and conscious and controlled. And they think that if they reason inside that space with someone else, everything's going to be fine. But you can't just you can't just ignore, the primal communication circuit and the influence it has over people's uh, the processes in, in the secondary communication. Um, and this is exactly what's happening with Trump supporters. Uh, it's exactly what's happening in American public discourse. There's a kind of primal reactivity that's being kind of pumped or, um, or amplified or energized by deliberate communication practices designed to get a primal uh, reaction out of people. And then that primal reaction is doing an awful lot of work biasing all the reasoning that, that comes after. Um, and when politics reduces itself to this, it's, it, it's really troubling. It's not good for democracy, obviously. Like, like what we want, we, we, so I said at the beginning, humans are really, really good causal reasoners. So humans are terrific. In, at, sex, at, at, at uh, si- second, uh, system two thinking and secondary communication processes. We're really, really, really good at it. But those, uh, that second-order thinking is, in a, uh, so for a cognitive psychologist, um, second-order thinking is, is improved. It's like made more elegant, more effective, more efficient by system one thinking. In communication processes, I think it's not so simple. I think the primal communication circuit can make it harder or more confusing, or more difficult to engage in the secondary communication circuit. So a lot of times we can't get over our biases, we can't get over our emotional reaction, or those emotional reactions just flood us in such a way that we end up sounding like a Trump supporter on the nightly news, who's just a kind of crazed, deranged lunatic. It's because their their first order kind of system thinking, their kind of primal reaction to Joe Biden or to Kamala Harris or to, or to whatever is so outsized, but it's being targeted. So the, the kind of last thing I wanna say is like, like, we need to recognize the ways in which the primal communication circuit is targeted by the communication processes that we're engaged with. So when you log onto Facebook, the Facebook advertisements you see and people's Facebook posts are often consciously and strategically uh, Organized to try and target the primal communication circuit and your reactivity to that thing, and that will bias second-order communication processes. So you know, in in the cognitive from the cognitive psychology perspective, it's it's wonderful that system one thinking can bias system two thinking. It's a hugely helpful. It's a survival mechanism. In the communication theory world, it's troubling that the primal communication circuit can do so much work uh, biasing the second order communication process. Uh, So we need to reflect on how troubling that could be. Uh, And then we also need to recognize how we can strategically um, and thoughtfully engage with the primal communication circuit in ways that will be helpful to our communicative processes and projects. All right, anyway, that's a little bit about the primal communication circuit. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'll be back shortly with another new episode.